I think that you should always dream big and you should have unwavering faith and belief in achieving your vision and then uh, you should take massive action every day to get best ever listeners before we get into today's episode are you looking for some financing maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects are you looking to grow your fix and flip business well guess what got a solution for you it's fun that flip you know fun that flip matt rodak the founder of fun that flip has been on the show multiple times he's a friend of mine and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Today, we're going to be talking to a fix and flipper or redeveloper of single family homes who's based in San Antonio, Texas. How you doing, Jeremy Heath? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Jeremy. He is the owner and director of Texas All Cash Home Buyers which he founded with his wife in 2009. Primary focus is the redevelopment of single-family homes in the San Antonio area, has flipped over 250 properties, and currently has a goal with his team to complete more than 100 rehabs this year, originally from Sydney, Australia, and he moved to the U.S. in 2006. We also have a couple of mutual friends, one, someone who I worked with in New York City, his cousin, is friends with Jeremy and then someone else who I currently work with. They are in an Australian group. I said, they all you Australians stick together, don't you? And he's like, yep. So with that being said, Jeremy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, thanks, Joe. And thanks to the best ever listeners out there. My background is I originally came from the corporate world. So that's what brought me over to the US back in 2006 and met my wife here in San Antonio, Texas. And it was around the time when we went on our honeymoon that I realized I was going to be stuck in the U.S. probably for the rest of my life. I was committed. So <laughs> that's when I ended up kind of thinking about my exit strategy from the corporate world and what I could get involved in. And real estate is where I landed. Okay. Tell us about your business. What have you been up to since you landed here in the U.S. in 2006? Our main focus is buy, fix, and sell. So we primarily rehab properties. We do do some wholesaling of properties as well. But we've really tried to dial into an effective rehabbing model focused on doing a large volume of rehab transactions per year. You do buy, fix, and sell versus wholesaling. Why buy, fix, and sell versus wholesaling? And I'm just going to play devil's advocate because when you buy, fix, and sell, you have more risk associated to it, longer timelines versus wholesaling where you're simply assigning a contract. Yeah, I guess for me, I'd originally studied civil engineering, even though my career was never in that space. I, you know, my career was in management consulting, but I came from my career work of having a big process and process improvement background. And so for me, it was really a challenge. I found I really enjoyed the challenge and the complexity of the remodeling. And the way that I've always seen it from the beginning is just like a factory because I used to do supply chain management. And so I'd always viewed this business as a factory where the finished product that I'm putting out is our high quality retail properties to bank qualified buyers. 
and the raw materials coming in are the distressed properties. And over the last few years, I've really been just trying to refine my processes so that we can get the product through as quickly as possible and the highest level of quality for the best cost. Well, let's dig in there. What are some of the things that you've done throughout your process to refine so that you now have a well-oiled machine? I think through my evolution, I've identified early on that there were always just three main constraints for me to be managing in the rehabbing business. And so the first is the deal flow. You need enough leads and you need enough deals coming into your pipeline. And I think when people get started, that's often the first challenge. Once you get the deals coming in, the next challenge is having enough cash or enough capital to close on those deals. And then if you have those two going, the third challenge is going to be your capacity to remodel the houses. I always found that it was always one of those three that was a constraint. And so whichever one was the constraint would get the majority of my focus to remove that constraint. And then that would enable the business to grow to the next level until the next constraint kicked in. And that's still the way that I'm looking at it. With your civil engineering background, what's something that you've implemented in either one of those three constraints that you'd probably track back to your civil engineering experience? I think in civil engineering, that helped me just from an overall construction background. But the main thing that I've really bought from my past is the way that I view things from a process perspective. So when you're looking at any process, the end goal is to produce something that is a high level of quality that's done quickly and that's done at the best cost. They're always the three dimensions that an output of a process would be measured on. So I've really focused on having a lot of systems and checklists to really drive quality and to reduce the amount of failures that occur in that process. And I think that kind of the simple tool of the checklist has been the cornerstone of you know, how I've really built my business. Give us an example of a checklist. For example, an important process for us is when we sign off on the rehab process with a contractor. And one of the frustrations, I think, for people that get into rehabbing houses is they finish the rehab for the contractor, they give him his final check, they then put it on the market, they sell the house and the end buyer gets an inspection and a bunch of issues come up on that inspection report. And it's always a bit of a hassle working through that. So we've really used the checklist mindset to build in all of those errors that were coming at the end in the final inspection and make them inspection points for us at the sign-off stage with the contractor so that we could get the first time quality of that property right and get it done right at the time when the guys are actually on the job and working and not having to deal with it like a month or two later when they've moved on to other things. Anything on that particular checklist where you sign off on the rehab work that wasn't on it initially and then after going through a couple experiences or one experience you added it yeah a big one there's tons of things one was hot water heaters for example having like the drain pan and having it lifted at the right elevation and, and the drain lining out pouring to the outside of the house on electrical there's always tons of little nitpicking things that the inspectors bring up on electrical like having antioxidant on the connections and having the panel labeled or even things like open splices in the attic on the electrical as well. So what I really love about the checklist is that the checklist has an inbuilt memory. So anything that you learn, you add to that checklist and it avoids that mistake happening again. And it's kind of like the checklist gets smarter and smarter over time. Mm -hmm. From a administrative standpoint with this checklist, is it a piece of paper or is it on an iPad or is it a program you created? What is it? I've gravitated to a tool which is called Process Street, and you can find it online at process.st. 
And it's a really simple, cool online software that I use in every area of my business. And it's really enabled me to build out systems in every single function over time. And what's really cool about it is once you've created a checklist template, you can then open up that template for a specific property. So for me, for example, at the moment, I have 38 properties in my pipeline, but I could go into Process Street at the moment and I could see where every single one of those properties are at and specifically within each process, what's been completed and what hasn't. Hmm. How'd you come across Process Street? That was through a buddy of mine that was in a real estate mastermind group and we just met up for the weekend and he started showing it to me and I was like, dude, this is awesome. I'm stealing it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how much it costs? You can get a free trial subscription, but for me at the moment, I think I'm paying somewhere in the order of 70 bucks and that allows me to have multiple users accessing it. Got it. 70 bucks a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the cool thing about it is at the moment, I'm actually looking into building out my rental side and setting up like a property management function. So the first place that I'd start now is I think, what are my high level processes for that particular function? And then I start building out checklists and the checklists are not something that you necessarily have to sit down and build in one hit. You can slowly build them over time. And I found that having that online tool made it so easy, just whenever you had an idea, you could just quickly log on and throw the task in there that you were thinking about and keep building it. Let's talk about a specific deal that you have done. Maybe it's the last deal or just one that comes to mind. doesn't have to be your best ever, but just a typical one that you do in San Antonio. A typical deal for us would be first, I guess my best deal ever would be my first deal just because it was my first deal. (laughs) And overcoming, when people get started, there's always those fears and doubts So just to overcome that, take action to get leads coming in, take action to make the offers and to lock the deal down. I'll always remember that. I bought a nice watch after to signify it. And so it'd always be special to me. But for typical deals now in San Antonio, we're typically in an ARV range of between 150 to 300,000, which is where most of our ARVs are for retail. And we typically like to buy them at 65 to 70% of the ARV. So on average, we're we're looking at between a 30K to 50K plus profit on our deals. Mm -hmm. With the three constraints, you said deal flow, you got to get leads, two, have cash to close and remodel, and three, capacity to actually implement the business plan, so remodel the houses. What's one way you have enhanced, number one, the deal flow to get leads? I think with deal flow, it comes down to the basic thing it comes down to is you have to spend money on marketing and that's what I've learned more and more. And I think that most people's fear is, you know, particularly most people get started in real estate as a part-time gig. So they've got their regular job to keep them going and they've got to spend some money, but if they're going to cut the cord on that full-time job and commit to spending money to make the business work, it's a very difficult thing to do. But I guess what I've learned is that that it's the most critical thing to do because without it, there's no business. Mm -hmm. What about the having cash to close and remodel? How do you get the cash and make sure that you're properly funded? I work with several private investors that I have personal relationships with. They're relationships that have been built over time and I guess they've evolved through a proven track record. And I guess at the beginning, because finding capital for a lot of people getting started is often a constraint, um, but my approach to it was to just get super focused at the times when I needed money and pound the phone and try find the investors 
And as I got more experience, I got more of a track record, I, I found that the capital was actually the easiest part because I think once you've shown success with certain people, they speak to their friends and it kind of continues on from that point. But I think at the beginning, if you take massive action and believe that you'll get it and take action till you do, you'll be able to find the capital that you need. What are your terms that you have been getting from investors? I range between 8 to 12% with my investors is typically where I'm at. It depends on the type of deals that they're doing with me, but that's kind of the range. Any points at closing on top of the 8 to 12% or just straight 8 to 12%? Yeah, straight 8 to 12% and no points and interest paid at the end when the deal closes. You mentioned the capacity to actually remodel the houses. What is something that we haven't talked about that you want to mention in terms of that constraint so that it's not a constraint for you? I think for most people, if trying to do remodeling on a significant scale, even a decent scale, that's where most of the issues come up. So people could spend some marketing on the deals and get the deal flows and have the capital, but then they have a ton of rehabs going on and the execution to be able to go from a a trashed house to a pretty house, there's so much execution that goes into that. And so you need to be definitely need to be very systematic about what you're doing. But you also need to understand, like if you're the real estate investor who's building the business, you need to get yourself out of that tactical execution as quickly as possible. Because if you're focused on that, you can't focus on the other things in your business. So for me, when I had enough deals coming through, I added in a project manager to support with that. And the level of skill of that project manager was much less and I was paying him much less than my current project manager. But what I found was over time as I grew, I had the ability to pay more for that role and hire a stronger skill set and just evolved over time. What does a project manager cost in terms of what we should budget if we were to hire one? I think that if someone's just getting started and they're doing something like 25 deals a year, 25 rehabs and they're looking for a project manager, you could probably look at getting someone in that 40K range. But I think if you're looking for like a more seasoned guy who has the ability to build houses from the ground up himself and really has that deep construction expertise, you're looking more in the range of the 55 to 70 for somebody like that. In terms of San Antonio, you've been there since 2006. You founded your company with your wife in 2009. What have you seen in the market as you've been there from 2009 when you started to today? It's been pretty crazy actually for the last few years. When I first got started, it was pretty flat. The country was going through a downturn, but I think San Antonio was pretty resilient. It didn't really go down, just stayed flat for a few years there. But since probably over the last five or six years, it's been incredible to see how houses have been appreciating, particularly in the range under 100K. Just to throw some data out there, about five years ago, I think around 27% of the houses in San Antonio were worth less than 100,000. And today, it's probably only about 7 or 8% that are worth less than 100,000. So there's been like a huge shift in that bottom end. And with that, you've seen houses that may have been worth 80 or 90,000 five or six years ago is now worth 140. So, you know, you've seen increases of like 50%. But then the funny thing is up on the upper end, if you start to get above 250 or 300, there really hasn't been that much appreciation on the higher end. So it's kind of like the bottom end's just squashed up and the top ends stay pretty flat. Hmm. What do you attribute that to? 
I think that San Antonio is definitely a fast-growing city. So there's a lot of growth here with companies moving here, migration. So I do believe that a lot of that growth is really more like, I'd call it like a base growth. It's probably younger people, first-time home buyers who are coming into the market. Whereas the, the top end, there's just not as much demand for those particular houses. And I think as the population's growing, it's more kind of young people who are getting started here rather than those high-end seasoned people. What are the areas, if we were to divide San Antonio into quadrants, north, east, northwest, southeast, southwest, what would be the quadrants where the growth is happening? There's huge growth. If you look sort of going northeast, that's the direction that heads up I-35 to Austin. And Austin's less than an hour away. And that corridor through there is just growing like crazy. You have San Marcos, it's between the two cities. But there's tons of growth up in that direction. And then just generally more in the north direction, San Antonio is continually pushing up in the north. And the higher value properties are more on the north side of the city. Whereas the south side of the city is more Hispanic. But that south side is also the area that used to have a lot under 100,000, which have now gone up into that 150 range. So they've had a ton of appreciation down the south. Where are your deals typically found? We look all over the city. So for us, we're not so focused on location. You know, Our main criteria is that it's within a 45-minute drive from our office, but we'll look at things in any direction. And it's really because we look at the opportunities from the perspective of value. And I always use the example, and my accent sounds bad when I use this example, but there's the, the TV show Porn Stars. <laughs> I can never say it the way I'm I think you kind of maybe slide in a little bit of porn instead of pawn whenever you say that, don't you? Yeah. Is some of that intentional? Yeah, yeah. In Australia, we say it the same way. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But um, yeah, but that show, and to be honest, when I was first uh, getting into real estate and buying and selling, I, I used to watch that show a lot. And the thing I learned from that show is that everything has a value and you can profit from it as long as you can get it under value. So somebody was trying to sell an old baseball jersey. You need to know what the retail value is and then you need to be able to get it for a discount on that. So real estate's exactly the same, whether it's a $15,000 house or a million dollar house. If you can find the discount from the retail and then have a way to sell at retail, you can always make a spread. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say best advice ever. I think that you should always dream big and you should have unwavering faith and belief in achieving your vision. And then uh, you should take massive action every day to get there. Even if things aren't going 100% according to plan, you need to just keep taking those actions forward and keep your vision strong and you'll get there. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. 
The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com. Best ever book you've read. I'm reading one at the moment called The Master Key System by Charles Hannell. The Master Key, K-E-Y System? Yeah, and it was actually a cursor to Napoleon Hill's Thinking Very Rich, but he also had The Laws of Success. And a lot of, if you listen to the master key system, it was written before that. And you can see a lot of the ideas that Napoleon Hill actually has came from that book. And it's it's awesome. It's a great book. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I would say that there was one time when I went big on three bigger houses, like higher AIV houses. They were all around the 500,000. And I hadn't really had experience in that realm. And I should have just taken one on to see how it worked out, but I took on three at once and I ended up losing on all three of those houses. And it taught me that if you're going into a new space, it's okay to scale, but you got to prove that it works first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. What was the reason why it didn't work? I think when you get into those higher ARV, it's a rehab model was off because the finishes needed to be a better quality finish. I think when we tried to sell it, people were way more picky and it took longer to sell. And then we were also off on the ARVs. So it was kind of all three things happening. Mm-hmm. Best ever way you like to give back? Personally, I really enjoy um, coaching. And a lot of that comes through the people that work with us. I get a lot of satisfaction out of For me, the business is about building a team, setting a big goal and going for it, but then helping the team to grow so that they can do their best. And there's nothing I love more than to see them really producing and doing well through the advice and coaching and mentoring I've been able to give them. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Best way to get a hold of me, you could go through the contact us form on my website, which is texasallcash.com, or you could email me directly at jeremy at texasallcash.com. And that's Jeremy with a G. I love how you walked us through the three main constraints that you have and how you are addressing them. And that's not just you, but any fix and flipper. And that is deal flow, how to get the cash to close the remodel and the capacity to actually implement the business plan. Some tips that you gave within those three along the way would be that with the cash, you're providing an 8 to 12% return to your partners on those. With the marketing and leads, you got to just spend some money in your case to get those leads. And what's the number one place you spend money on to get the leads, by the way? We do some radio marketing. Radio? Yeah. Huh. We do a lot of radio. And then we do a bunch of other things like direct mail and some online stuff and things like that. But radio's been the number one best ROI for you? It's probably what radio gives you is the ability to have a large marketing spend without a lot of effort. You know, you just got to pay for the spots and let it roll. (laughs) Okay. And then the last thing is the checklist that you created in terms of you got to have the capacity to remodel the houses. And one of the resources you gave us is process.st. I always say process, but now I'm spelling it out. It really is process. I don't know why I say process. I think a lot of Americans say process, but I think we're wrong. I think it's process. Glad I got to have this positive influence on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Process.st. And then also you know, the salary range for a project manager depending on experience, could be around 40000 if you have around 25 rehabs a year, he or she's overseeing, or as high as fifty-five to seventy k for someone more seasoned. So thanks for being on the show, Jeremy. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Joe, and thanks to the best ever listeners. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.